All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show, Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was, uh, it wasn't like I got paid for it, but it was uh, a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. 
Hey guys, Team Jones here. With ads. But if you don't like ads, you can download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have this one cool feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms, and they are completely free from ads. The Straight Out of Prison podcast, the For Real Real, and Narrowing the Gap. But there's way more to it than that. There's a specialized feed that comes for all subscribers. Peek behind the scenes, live stream question and answers. Recipes and cooking videos by me, of course. You'll get unpublished episodes, unedited episodes, blooper reels, which are amazing, exclusive bonus content, downloads, and more. Or head over to teamjones.co slash podcast and click on the Become a patron button. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the join forces button. We will get in touch and consider whether or not it's a good fit. Schedule us for your podcast or become a guest with us on the For Real Real or Narrowing the Gap. Contact us by heading over to teamjones.co and click the join forces button. Or to schedule us for a speaking event, contact us on our website by clicking the join forces button. We also want you to know about the Team Jones workshops for your business or organization. They're customized for your teams. They're led by myself and my beautiful wife, and we'll even provide lunch. Go to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. Finally, the newest part of Team Jones is what we're calling the OPP package. OPP stands for Other People's Podcast. We will tell your story and sing your song. About your business, organization, community, family, or whatever story you wish to share with the world. And the best part is that it will belong to you. We will research, write, produce, record, edit, and present you with a finished product. It will be your own tool for marketing, building your brand, or just to get your story out there to the world. Bottom line, stories are powerful. They are. And not just our story, Mm -hmm. but your story. So we are very passionate and very excited about this project of getting the opportunity to tell whatever it is that you are passionate about. We want to hear it and we want to tell it. Head over to teamjones.co and click the join forces button and we will respond promptly. Please support our sponsors because they help us provide this platform for free. Thank you guys for your support and thanks for being a part of our story. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Straight Out of Prison podcast. My name is James K. Jones, and this is my story. And this is Haley Jones, and this is his story that has now become a part of my story. Well, the last part of the story that we taped about my granny, that was very emotional. And I actually, when I was listening to it, I thought, people are wondering, why did you put this in there? Like, <laughs> why couldn't you just say she passed away? But it was really a huge part of getting me to the next place. But at the same time, you were going through a sim- similar situation with your dad, but it was sudden, unexpected, and blindsided you. Yes. Well, I mean, to speak to, you know, people might think, oh, why did you put that in there? I think yeah. all these pieces come into play, like pieces and people, like relationships, mm-hmm. even from your prison days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, you know, we talked about the backstory, you being in prison and your time there and coming out. And it's all, I think it's all these pieces and times and season like that are woven together that got us to where we are now. Woven. So, I like that. Woven. Is that a word? I think it's a word. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, woven is a word. Yeah. If something is weaved together, it's woven. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> Maybe true. not. I have to... <laughs> Okay, so that is very interesting, and I haven't even thought about that really till we've started talking about it in in terms of this podcast and what we're going to share. Yeah. That what year was that with your granny? Two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. So she went to heaven March two thousand twelve. Of course, it's about two months before your dad. Okay. Yeah. So my dad went in June mm-hmm. two thousand twelve. But also interesting that my grand, my grandmother, my aunt mom, yeah. I loved my aunt mom. She was the only grandmother I ever knew because my dad's mom passed away before I was born. Yeah. But she went to heaven April 2012. Wow. So, and she did in my parents' house. She had come to live with my mom and dad. She had dementia. Yeah. So we knew it was coming. Um, and you're prepared for it. Yeah, I was prepared for it. And, you know, she was my grandmother, like I said. So it's kind of hard because from April when she passed away and went to heaven to June when my dad passed away and went to heaven, Mm -hmm. 
Now, my dad's was very unexpected. Yeah. So to think about the grief of my grandmother, I'm not going to say I don't remember it. <laughs> uh, I do remember it, but I think what, what was to happen a couple months later just, like, trumped Blindsided that you. loss, you know. Blindsided the loss of my dad yeah. trumped, yeah. So, um, so how did that all come to be? I mean, I guess I first need to kind of look backwards and say, and I think I've said this before, maybe not, but that me moving to Alabama and being here and having the opportunity to work with my dad and just to reestablish that adult-to-adult relationship with him in the last year and a half of his life has been one of the greatest gifts and times that that I've received or lived through. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Now, yeah, and I've I've said this before, but, I mean, I was living in the midst of it. It was a very hard season for me, but Mm -hmm. yet little did I know it was the last year and a half I was going to have my dad here with me. Yeah, I had no idea. So, um, well, where should I start? Well, we met in uh, April, May of 2012, Mm -hmm. briefly. You... You know, the infamous facts you wanted me to do with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when I went in, I met your dad. I spent like 30 minutes talking to him, and it was just a really neat conversation. He was very interested in me, what I was doing. I asked a ton of questions, and he was trying to get me to come to some business networking thing. So I said no. <laughs> Which is <laughs> was my thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. And I said, look, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. We, I'm so overwhelmed and underwater right now trying to figure out this thing because I got two restaurants and I'm so busy. I, I, I'll take you up on it, but give me a couple months to get my feet under me. And he said, okay, but that would be the only conversation we ever had. And then after that, Denise Nolan, who was my fiery redheaded manager mm-hmm. in Gardendale, she had like a, a girl crush on you. Like she thought you hung the moon and she wanted to set us up. She kept telling me about this Haley Hopart and she's a go getter and she's beautiful. And I remember you would like start having your little business meetings in Cairo. <laughs> little business meetings? No, but I would come out there and I would just see. I really wasn't looking for a relationship, but there was, I was interested, but you were, you were just out of my league. Like I, I can specifically remember one time you had a little business meeting. You come sauntering in with your little clipboard and your little books, and you had on your little long skirt and your sandals and your shiny lips, and I was like, there ain't no way. <laughs> like, she's like one of those uptown girls, and she's not looking for a downtown man. <laughs> but Denise, she she kept, like, started off gently because she knew me. Like, you don't push, don't try to push me into nothing. But she was always dropping the hint, like, I remember she took pictures of you eating with your friends on Facebook and would <laughs> post it and like, there's that Haley again. And um, she, she started getting slightly annoying me. And I finally told her she's out of my league. Like I'm not even, I wouldn't even shoot for that. That's not the kind of girl. No. I mean, just, you know, that was, that was what I felt. Yeah. But in the middle of all that, it was sometime in June, it was right after we opened, but somehow I got on an email chain that was from the Gardendale community, and I don't even know how I got on it, but your dad was going in for a routine surgery, and you might want to just explain what that is. But I was actually in my office for two or three days, reading those, getting the updates and praying for y'all, and it just, it feels weird now, but it was, uh, I don't even know how I got on that chain. Yeah, but, I don't uh, either. <laughs> but a backstory on that, heart trouble runs in your dad's family. Yes. And he was the first person in like three or four generations to ever meet a grandchild. That's correct. Because yeah. his dad died of heart trouble when he was, what, 16? Uh, yeah. I think my grandfather was 42, but my dad was 16. Yeah. And then his father died of heart trouble, too. Mm-hmm. So it was like a thing, uh, like a genetic yeah. deal. And But your dad was aware of it. He tried to take care of himself, did all the healthy things. Mm-hmm. But he was going in for a routine like some kind of bypass heart surgery, they said there was like a one percent chance that anything could go wrong. Yeah, it was something they do every something that they do every day. Yeah, I think they said you know two percent chance that things go wrong with these. It's yeah, very very unlikely. routine. Like he'll be able to um, come home like that day or the next day. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean it was it was not supposed to be a big thing. I mean. Anytime you're dealing with your heart, I guess, you know, it's yeah. something. But it had become routine. Right. Right. Easy surgeries. 
So, but before we get to that, it was it's funny though because my dad, because of what you just said with mm-hmm. the history of the heart disease in his family and his dad dying early, yeah, um, he always was. I don't know. He was a, not afraid of dying, or it was like in the forefront of his mind. He was always prepared. Yeah. He always wanted to feel like he was prepared if something did happen. <laughs> and I mean, I can remember even like I was a teenager, like anytime he got on a plane, he was like, <laughs> like very, he was ready. All his papers and stuff were in order. He would tell mom where things are, <laughs> yeah, but he would like, he was not laughing about it. He was like so serious. But he wanted to make sure y'all were taken care of. Yeah. And that yeah. things were ready if he died. And mm-hmm. so, and even around Christmas time, I mean, I remember this being a thing, like even as a kid or like middle school, high school, that my dad always kind of got in a funk around Christmas time. And I remember asking my mom at one point what was wrong. And she said, well, this season always brings him back to when he lost his dad on Christmas Day. Yeah. Oh, his dad died on Christmas on Day? On Christmas Day. Oh, wow. And he was in his room showing him a present that he had gotten or something he had gotten, and he fell over and died. Wow, that's that's tough. Yeah, so it always got him in this funk that he just couldn't really shake, really. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, it didn't, like, overshadow Christmas or anything like that, but I could just tell he struggled emotionally. Yeah. I mean, the older I got, the more I realized that was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was obsessed on that note with the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Which all kind of like fits together, really. If you've seen It's a Wonderful Life, I mean, it's a classic old Christmas movie yeah. uh, where he, this man gets in money trouble and then he asks, like, it would be better if I wasn't here. And then he granted that and what life would be like for him and other people if he wasn't there. My if dad was obsessed with that movie. That's a neat movie. Um, but he was also obsessed with his legacy, obsessed with what he was doing mm-hmm. now that was going to matter later. That was his big. Thing. So he really did, um, you know, a lot of people say those things, and I feel like carry that torch. And yeah. Um, but my dad, I really feel like when the rubber meets the road and you are gone, like then you know what you actually were doing <laughs> for, you know, for when you were gone. And he really did, um, as he would say, like write that love letter that was going to get to keep being read and keep being passed down through, you know, my mom and then all of us. And then all of us. Yeah. So well, your mom tells a, a story was that his first grandson, that was Abby's son when he was born, he kind of got his feelings hurt that he wasn't named after him. And, but he, you know, he put, it was just like a mild irritation and he pushed through it. But now on this side, our son, Royal Grant's named after him. Abby's got a son, Zeke Grant, that's named after him. Luke Grant, Hobart, Hobie's son. There's and Grant's then, everywhere. <laughs> and then Katie's son. <laughs> My cousin. Yeah. His Grant. Her first son's name is Grant. So now there's four Grants. And they are all after my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, that is, yeah, that is fun. <laughs> he would so love that. He would. So lead us up to, I know one of my funny stories that I like is the last dinner y'all had at Piff Chang's the night before surgery. Yeah. Just the night before the surgery. I mean, my, like I said, I mean, it wasn't supposed to be a big thing, but he always for anything was like, he felt it. Okay. Let's be ready, you know. And so they went to the pre-op or whatever the night before. I mean, the night before the surgery. So we went to this, the doctor's appointment, whatever. Then we went out to dinner. Mm -hmm. And he was going into surgery the next morning. And And he ordered a beer? Well, he ordered a beer. We went to P.F. Chang's and he ordered a beer, which was, I mean, common for him. But your mom called My mom was like, Grant, you know, didn't they say no alcohol like the night before? Because he had to be in there at 5 a.m. or something like that. Yeah. And he was just like, whatever. whatever." He was like, (laughs) um, he definitely did not follow <laughs> the instructions protocol <laughs> yeah so sounds um, like i'm cut from the same cloth and yes, stuff like that if yeah. it don't matter um i mean you know hindsight too just like that was his last beer wow <laughs> my golly enjoy that beer you know wow, that's neat. he didn't know that but i've heard you tell stories but one of my favorite stories is the last time that your cousin katie talked to your dad <laughs> I wish she was here to tell this. Like, we could get it. She tells it way. She's going to tell it way better than. This is great. Forgive me if I slaughter it. But your dad was a father figure to her growing up. I mean, she has a dad. Mm-hmm. Your dad was just very 
she was his only niece, mm-hmm. and he was just, he loved Katie. He did. <laughs> and she spent summers with y'all. Yes. And so she saw him as a father figure. For sure. And Katie was, Katie is Catholic, but she's like the serious Catholic. <laughs> or you could say a, very, a practicing Catholic. Well, she does. A devout Catholic. She does all the things. Like right. when I met Katie, she said, I'm not a cafeteria Catholic. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, well, you pick and choose. We do it all. So I was like, okay. Um, but your dad grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. And he called her, I think it was the day before, and it was the last conversation she had with him. <laughs> yeah. And he said, Katie, you know, I'm going under the the anesthesia, <laughs> and I just want to make sure all my bases are covered, and I want to ask you to pray for me, because if I get up there and God is Catholic and he's not Protestant, <laughs> I just want to make sure I got some Catholic prayers going up for yeah. <laughs> And it's just so, I mean, it's humorous, and it's funny, and it's beautiful, and it's all the things. But yeah. your dad was so much to you, but to so many people. Like, I, I still meet people sometimes. We were at a wedding last year, and... Some guy comes up and then in tears talking about your dad, and it's from when he was in high school, and he's like my age. And I'm like, wow, this man has touched so many lives. He's made such an impact. Yeah. And I believe he still continues to make an impact through all of us. Absolutely. He, My dad would always say, it is funny how the similarities between you and him. He would say what he thought, <laughs> and there was no holding back. And um, sometimes you love that, sometimes you hated that. <laughs> But he, see, I understand that. Yeah, but he was very also just an encourager. I mean, speaking of Katie again, it's just a story that I remember. He did this several times for me too. But she was heartbroken. Some guy she was dating, I think, in high school or beginning yeah. of college, and I don't remember the exact situation. But he had broken up with her, or just you know was kind of became disinterested, and she was just heartbroken and talking to my dad about it, and my dad. Very quickly, and he, my dad was able to do this so well and so smart, like bringing context. Yeah. He's like, okay, he's like, Katie, let me explain something to you. He goes, some guys, you know, they just drive a Ford. They just drive a <laughs> regular ass Ford, you know. He goes, but some guys want the Porsche, and you're the Porsche, so you just need to wait for the guy that can appreciate the Porsche that wants to drive the Porsche and do all the extra because that's obviously not your guy. Yeah. So it's just that's such nice. like, and of course she's like, yeah, I'm a Porsche, I'm a Porsche. And she did wait for a Porsche and she got it. She, she, she did. She did. Um, but he was just always could see the best. He chose to believe the best. Mm-hmm. And he just saw things that kind of, you know, like what the Bible says, <laughs> saw things that were not yet as though they were mm, and spoke to that. And um, because of that, I mean, I think a lot of that that gift that he had that he kind of instilled in me is a, how I was able to do so many things and accomplish so many things. The day of the surgery. We'll be right back. Head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. I didn't you say he was joking around at breakfast? Like, what if I die? I'm I'm ready. (laughs) He was like, well, he wasn't even joking, but he was serious. Like he had, but 
like I said, he had done this every time yeah. anything small, you know. He had walked mom through and just like, this is where this is. This is where all the passwords are. Yeah. These are the papers you're going to need for this, that, and the other. He had it all organized. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that morning for breakfast, mom and dad were having coffee. I did not live with them at this point. But they were having coffee and... Mom told me later that he said that morning, honey, and this part he had never said before. He had always been prepared and told her he was prepared for the logistic stuff and all that. But yeah. this morning he was speaking to his mind being prepared, I guess, and his heart being prepared. And he told mom, he said, honey, I, I just feel like, you know, if today is my time, then then I'm ready. And I feel like I've done, you know, I've done everything I can to take care of you and make sure, you know, every decision I've made that you're going to be good for 20 years <laughs> and not 21, 20 years. And you're not going to have to skip a beat. And just the relationships with my kids, like, you know, today's my time. Like I'm ready. And later mom said there was something different in his voice that morning because before, I mean, he was prepared, but there was a lot of fear. Yeah. And that particular morning that, that fear wasn't there. And so, of course, she didn't think all of that at the time because it was just like another one of his, like, okay, like, let it, let him get it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but she said later that just brought her a lot of peace because she's like, I mean, do we know when we're leaving? Did he know? I mean, I don't think he knew, but he somehow, you know, he sometimes we it. sense things, you yeah. know? So they went in for the surgery. I actually, I would say my one regret that morning was that I didn't get there in time to kiss him before he went back for the surgery. Yeah. And I know that seems like small, but. That's not small. Um, it, and, and it is, well, it is small if you compare it to what I feel like. The gift I got that with my dad that I know most people do not get, I'm fully aware, yeah. is that I, I don't think anything was left unsaid. I don't think there was any kind of things from, like, childhood or, um, like, bitterness or— No regrets. There was no regrets that we had flushed everything out. The last year and a half allowed us mm-hmm. to do that as adults. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about things that maybe just came up that would have never come up or we have never talked about if I hadn't moved here. Mm-hmm. Um you know, my dad was big on, like, we're going to sit at this table and get it all out until it's all out, you know, and nobody's leaving the table until, not that we're going to agree or come to be of one mind, but everybody needs to be able to get out everything they want to get out. And so, anyway, there was no regrets in terms of that, and I just feel like I'm just so grateful for that. But the one small regret is that I didn't get to kiss him before they wheeled him back, but little did we know, you yeah, know. You didn't know. But I do know that when— Can they, I interject, like, an Abby story? Is this about the kissing thing? Yeah, or are you going to say I was it? about to say that. Say it, say okay. it. I love that part. I love that story. So, of course, my dad was joking around with the nurses because that's what he did. But when, when <laughs> they were about to wheel him off, he told my mom, he's like, okay, one more kiss. Give me lots of time. <laughs> and, of course, my mom was embarrassed because she was very— and, um, But my mom was so cute because later she's like, and I did give it to him, <laughs> which is, is so, so unlike funny. my mom. But I think something in her was glad she did, even though Abby told she didn't that, want to. Abby told that story at our wedding. He was like, she was. He, Abby was like, that was my dad's last words to my mom. <laughs> so James, we expect nothing less of you for my sister. That's true. He loved my mom. He was very physical touch was his thing. Like he <laughs> wanted all the physical touches. So. Anyway, so they wheeled him off, and I got there shortly thereafter and waited with my mom in the waiting room. And, um, you know, within an hour or so, it wasn't too long, they came out and said, you know, thirty, give them 30 more minutes to kind of wake up a little bit, and y'all can go back there. Everything went great. You know, we're good to go. So y'all are feeling good? Yeah. I mean, it was just like, okay, awesome. And Was it just you and your mom there? Yes. At that time, it was just me and my mom there. And um, so about 10 minutes later, I guess, 10, 15 minutes later, we're waiting in the waiting room for them to come tell us we can go back and see him. Mm-hmm. 
And the nurse came, the same nurse came out, and she was running. She was, like, frantic, like, came into the door, like, you know, Luann Hobart, Luann Hobart, called us out in the hallway, and you could tell she was, there was a sense of urgency. She was talking 90 miles a minute, couldn't really, like, understand what she was saying, and mom was wanting to, like, ask questions slowly. Like, yeah. she was kind of the slow processor. Like, oh, say that again? Like, hold on, hold on. Yeah. And I understood, I started to understand, like, she wants her to sign this paper so they can open him up, like, open up his chest, and she needs consent from my mom to do that. Uh, I was like, so just sign the paper, sign the paper, mom, sign the paper, we'll ask questions later. Like, I kind of, like, felt that, like, <laughs> like, and so that's what she did. She signed it, and she promised she would come back to, and so she ran with that paper. I don't know if they had already, like, opened them, but you need consent, apparently. Yeah. Um, to... You have to have consent for everything. Yeah. And he was not conscious, but, you know, they were cutting his chest open, so... And so at that point, we really didn't know what was happening or what was... Something was wrong, obviously, um, but we didn't know what, and I knew that they were opening is doing something open heart surgery yeah on I, the fly i know. somehow got on the email chain with all the updates for that yeah. which is kind of weird now to think about that but that's tough so it was it, tough and it was all kind of a little bit of a blur so once they opened him up and eventually someone came back out to tell us that he, when he was in the recovery room, he went into cardiac arrest, and they did not know why or what, and that's why they needed to open him up and see what was going on, and that he actually had coded on the table, and they had to do that, the electric shock thing. Does that mean you died? Yes. Um, that your heart stops. Oh, wow. And that they had to shock him. You've seen, I'm sure, on the TV shows where they yeah. shock them. And I didn't understand this at first because they were telling us how many times they had to, I think it was like 72 total. And I was like, how do they do that if they're opened up? But apparently there's these little like things that you clip on on the inside that like shocks your heart back into. Yeah. And so they said we did have to shock him, like shock his heart back into, it was, I want to say 72. I don't know if that was a total, but it was a lot. Yeah. And they finally got him stabilized, they said, but his chest was still open and they still were not sure why or where it was coming from or what artery or whatever. Long story short, in the next, I guess, 36 hours, they opened him up, like opened and closed him three different times. Oh, wow. For the same reason. And, you know, they did tell us this from the front end that every time you open him back up, it's... It's more trauma to his risk. body. It's yeah. a bigger risk and less likely you're going to come back for it. But you don't have a choice if, you know, your heart keeps stopping and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. And so the third time I remember it just being this, like, decision on my mom. You know, of course, she was deferring to us, too, some, just like they say. It's a third time. It's not good, obviously. Yeah. Uh, by this time, you're there for, like, two or three days. Well, okay, so the surgery was Friday morning. Mm-hmm. He went to heaven on Sunday afternoon. So, I mean, it wasn't that long. Yeah. So it was all happening a lot. And um, I remember your mom telling me, I think she said y'all were in a hotel room or something. So, you wanted to get some sleep real quick. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. Okay, I'll do that. So the third time we decided, I mean, it's kind of like a Hail Mary. You know, like this is the last shot, basically, is what he said, um, to see what's going on because we can't just keep opening and closing his chest, you Mm -hmm. know. And so what they said they were going to do is open him back up, and they keep keep your chest open. So it's like an open wound, and it's just to be able to monitor. I mean, it's very risky, but it's also like so you don't have to keep having the trauma, and he had already endured so much trauma. Yeah. And – um. So they kept his chest open, basically, and, like, covered it and had all the things going on. But by this time, uh, they did let us back there to see him, but it was, it was, I mean, anyone who's had a loved one in the hospital hooked to a lot of machines and had any kind of trauma like that knows yeah. that it's very... <sighs> it sucks. There's no words, really. No. It's just hard to... 
see and hard to take in. It's just, and it's so much to take in, you know? And so that night he was stabilized after the third time they opened him and left him open. I mean, you know, he has machines doing work for him. Mm -hmm. And um, so one of my mom's friends, people had started coming in by this time, like driving in, flying in. One of my mom's friends said, "I, because one thing I'm very grateful for is that I was the only child that wasn't married and didn't have kids. So it was easy for me to stay with With mom. mom, And even now being married and having kids, I totally understand. I mean, it was hard for Hobie and Abby because they were both married with kids. Mm -hmm. And um, just feeling, I mean, your responsibilities at home with your kids. And that must have been hard for them. I feel like I have more empathy for them feeling like they wanted to be there but couldn't because, you know. But I do think it was a gift for me that I could just be with my mom and have no other. I mean, I just lay everything down, you know. I don't have those kind of responsibilities. So I was up there with my mom 24-7, and we hadn't slept, you know, the Friday night It was coming into Saturday night. I mean, no sleep. Mm -hmm. And so one of her friends got us this hotel room that was close to the hospital. And um, and he was stabilized, you know, ish. And uh, it's like, I really think that y'all should try to get a couple hours of sleep. You know, not the whole night is fine, but like, you know, a couple hours. So I think we got to the hotel. I mean, it was late. It was probably like midnight. Something like that, because it was still a touch and go situation. Yeah, and um, and so we went to sleep, and we went to sleep, and at about four thirty in the morning, I heard my mom up and in the bathroom, and she was washing her face and just getting ready, and there was just a real calm about her, like a real. Peace, which if you know my mom, she had that in general. <laughs> but yeah, she's she, she had a real calming presence, and um, but this felt different. It felt very, I mean, for lack of better words, just like supernatural, I guess. And um, she said, "I'm just gonna go up to the hospital and." You know, me and my aggressive ways, like, I came in, I'm like, I'm going with you. And she's like, no, honey, it's okay. I was like, no, if you're going, I'm going. <laughs> Especially when I'm sad or emotional, like, sometimes for me that emotion can come out like aggressive anger. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I said, no, I'm going with you. She said, okay, but, you know, I want, I want a little time. I want a little time with your daddy. I was okay, that's fine. I'm I'm going with you, but you can go in there (laughs) have some time, but I'll just be right outside, okay? So um, I got my clothes on, and we went, and she asked, requested if she could go in there with my dad, and she spent about an hour with him, and um, yeah, that was Sunday morning, and later she had told me that that the Lord had woken her up and had told her that it was my dad's time to go and and that she needed to go tell him that it was okay to let go. And uh, so that's why she didn't want me coming with her and... But she just said that she knew that she heard that. She knew that in her spirit. She knew that in her heart. And that she needed to go tell my dad that it was okay. And so she did. And um, she didn't tell me that at the time, like I said. And and we didn't really know. We were still holding out hope. But probably about 9, 10 a.m., the uh, doctor came and said that, Things were starting to shut down. His body organs were starting to shut down. And that just through the trauma and through the, that, that it looked like that today was going to be the day. And so we all went in there. And it's so crazy because he was hooked up to 
gosh, literally dozens of machines, like dozens, multiple. He was swollen. He didn't look like himself at all. Um, but somehow I just know that I know that he knew that we were there and that yeah. he could hear us. And um, several family members had gotten there, like extended family, like my Aunt Nora and my cousin Katie and Uncle Tommy and a lot of their close friends were there. And they all came in, you know, groups by groups. And one, I cannot explain this, and it sounds so silly, but there was this one friend who I shall not name came in there. And was talking like, we love you, Grant. But he was like yelling. (laughs) And we love you so much, Grant. Like, you know, like, and it was like, it was super sweet. But it's like, I knew that my dad was annoyed. (laughs) And I know that my dad was like, I'm not deaf, Steve. Like, (laughs) like, I could just like see it in his face. And I lean down to my dad's ear. I'm like, I know it's annoying. Well, like, (laughs) and, um. So, I mean, it was just funny that I just, and I still know that I know that me and my dad were, like, vibing in that moment because it was. I went through that with my granny because Steve had told me to play worship music, and I was playing worship music on my phone. Her face, like, she was not conscious, but her face was like, JJ, you're over, stop. Mm-hmm. And I knew it. that she, And right, I was like, I'm exactly. sorry. I'm sorry, granny. You know, I'm trying to overdo things. And <laughs> I would learn later that in situations like that, you're, that people's hearing is the absolute last thing to go. Really? So, um, anyway, that's a little side note. But we, um, so we were in there. I mean, not even that's a little bit of a blur. I do remember that. But, um you know, we made the decision or my mom made the decision, you know, with us that it was obvious to unhook all the machines, you know. And um it feels like surreal even now, you know, that that it happened that way, that he's gone, that, you know, it's just it's such a Massive loss. Um, And, uh, but one funny thing is that my dad, okay, this is random. And I'm like, he had like no butt. He was like, (laughs) no butt? Yeah. He was just like one of those flat butts. Those people were like, where is this going? (laughs) But my mom always had this, like, you know, I mean, she was thick (laughs) and juicy. Yeah. Um, And he always, like, from the time I can remember, like her daughter's thick and juicy too. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> that my mom would be walking in front of him, like whether on the beach, you know, up in the beach, or just like a walk in the neighborhood. And he was like, "Ooh, this is the best view in Florida. This is the best view in Alabama." <laughs> baby got back. That was his favorite. Like he loves singing the "Baby Got Back" song. Yeah, by Sir Mix a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, he was just—I mean, he was funny, but he did like love my mom's. <laughs> <laughs> but and would always, much to her embarrassment, would you know make comments on it like yeah. For those of y'all that don't know, Mom Lou was uber proper. Like everything was <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so my cousin, we we're standing outside the room. I guess right before the unhook machine, somewhere in there, you know, we we're waiting. She's like, I don't know. This just feels so. Like, we need to do something. Like, should we sing his favorite song? I mean, we stood, well, we stood in a circle and we prayed. Yeah. My, my mom and the kids and, you know, a couple of the closest family, and we prayed. And then when we got done praying, I forgot who said it. It was just like, I feel like, should we sing a song? Should we sing his favorite song? <laughs> and my mom was like, well, the only song that's coming to mind <laughs> that I can think of, and I know this is terrible, but it's the... That baby got back song. <laughs> I don't think that's appropriate to sing here now. <laughs> I like so, big butts and I cannot lie. So did y'all sing it? No, no. it was just funny, but I mean, everyone did laugh because it was so my dad, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so we waited. They unhooked the machines, and we waited, and uh, and he left, and uh, quickly like. Right then, or? it didn't take long. It took 
some minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, it didn't take long. Um, and I think everyone was just in shock, but I don't know if I've told this story on this here before, but, you know, after it was done within the hour, we I was walking outside the hospital, walking from inside to outside, mm-hmm. and I uh, just like, why, why? I mean, I just remember my head just like, why? Like, that's the only question I just like. And I remember opening the door from the inside to the outside. And in my head, I thought, like, he didn't even get to walk me down the aisle. And I, as sure as, like, my arm is attached to my body, I heard the Lord say, he's been walking you down the aisle for 32 years. <laughs> Which is such a profound truth and that has stayed with me just in terms of he had been walking me down the aisle for 32 years. He loved me. He protected me. He took care of me. He he cheered me on. He was my biggest fan. <laughs> and, you know, up to you, like, loved me like no other man had loved me. He had loved my mom. He showed me what that looked like. And, you know, sometimes we focus on, you know, you're in your pretty dress and you're walking down that aisle and all the attention and time and resources goes into that one little walk down the aisle when really that's just symbolizing the aisle that we need to be walking down and investing in the people we love and doing what we know we should be doing leading up to that moment. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just, when I heard that, it was just like peace. Like, he has been. And what a gift I got. And you embraced that, too. That's a beautiful. I did, yeah. And that that was a gift that not every woman gets. And Mm -hmm. I got that gift, and I'm grateful for it. And so... um. You know, we start making the arrangements. You know, it's still just like shock. You know, the stages of grief, the first is shock and denial. And yeah. for me, that just in my mind, just like, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. I just cannot believe this just happened. And um, so once we got, you know, things sorted and we went home, I happened to be the first one to get back to my parents' house. Yeah. Um, That Sunday afternoon, evening, whenever it was. It was still light outside. I remember that. But there was, my parents had this, this stairs. So it was, you know, two story, mm-hmm. actually three. But, you know, you come in the front door and there's upstairs, downstairs, and there's stairs coming down. Yeah. And my parents had this bench, like just a nice bench, like at the bottom of the stairs against the wall. Mm-hmm. And I remember I came into the house and I just sat on that bench and just, you know, oh. Just the first time back in the house, knowing. I mean, my parents moved there to relocate. They had only been there a couple years now to just for him to be gone. It, uh, it was just quiet, but I felt like I got this vision of my dad in heaven, and he was young, <laughs> he was good looking. <laughs> Just like the absolute best physical version of himself. <laughs> and um, that was kind of neat. So, I mean, I believe that's how we are in heaven because of that. I don't know that, but I just, I believe that. And so, yeah, the days after were were hard and hard and beautiful. I mean, I hate that people come together for funerals. I mean, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's awesome and they tell stories and. Funerals are tough. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, we learned uh, they taught us in Highlands College when you go to a funeral, it's not about the person that died. Funerals are not for dead people. Funerals are for the funerals are for the living. Like you're supposed to focus on like the family and the people that are grieving. So that's why we do yeah. funerals, and that really has changed my like mind about dealing with grief and death and stuff like that. Well, I think that that too speaks to 
what I like loved most about that time is that people just start telling stories. Yes. Like stories on stories. Like, and of course, with my dad, there was just a lot of funny stories. <laughs> and, but it's also the stories that of things and lessons and things that like stay with us that are like instilled in us, mm-hmm. you know, that, that live on um, because of him. And that um, is a beautiful. And that's legacy. Part of that, yeah. So, um, so like I said, I mean, my it was hard for everybody, but I was able to come and stay with my mom and live with my uh, live with my mom. Um, you after actually that time. slept in the bed with her the first week or two. I did. I did. That's a beautiful thing. And uh, yeah, it was just it was so hard, but also like such a beautiful gift to be able to walk that out with her hand in hand. And and then at his memorial funeral, you actually gave the eulogy. I did, yeah. That, that is impressive to me that you could, like, pull that together. Or it was impressive to me at the time, but yeah. now knowing you now know, Haley's going to figure it out and snap back. <laughs> um, it's funny because I knew that I was going, it had been decided that, you know, I was going to give it, that yeah. I was going to be the representative of our family that spoke. <laughs> And, um, but I couldn't get the words. I could not get the words, like, until the morning of, actually. I woke up in the middle of the night at 2 o'clock, and I just felt like it poured out of me. Um, my dad had used this with his staff, with his team members, with us, like, using, mm-hmm. like, a word that he felt like described them and a word that he appreciated that kind of... yeah. Um, Spoke to their character. He had done that like, Christmas parties, like giving everyone a word, something he loved. So I just was like, okay, I'm going to build it around three words that I feel like. Do you have that written? You have that written down. Somewhere? Yes, I do. I may put that in the show notes. Yeah, I think that'd be blessing. And what's so funny? So the three words were passion, humor. <laughs> This is why I said I would put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, the reason I was going to say is because the three words made up. Um, and someone told me this later. They're like, that was brilliant. And I was like, because he had a PhD in life. So what was they the started D? with PhD. Yeah. But I didn't do that on purpose. That was a complete yeah. coincidence. I was like, yeah, I'm just brilliant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't even know that I had did that. Discipline or determination? Uh, or? Uh, we'll look it up. We'll, we'll put look it, on the it show up. Notes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so... um, His life, just like, you know, I said in the last one, my granny's life was a legacy that she left for many people, but for me and our family present present day, it was a huge part of our story. Your dad's life was the same. You know, he left such a legacy with you that I actually also get to enjoy now. mm -hmm. And we'd leave behind relationships and things that we've put into people. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not just, life is not just about making money and having fun and dying. It's, you leave things here when you go. And that's the beautiful thing about legacy. And in our first year of marriage, your mom let me have an iPad that belonged to your dad. And he, he, I got to read all his notes and all his things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm still fascinated by him. Um, I have most of his books. uh, Yeah. But we've only had one conversation and this, if I could do that one conversation over, what, what would that look like? But just to tie this back together for our time, um, this was 2012. I actually got a call where they asked me to cater the memorial service. So I actually did the food and catered your dad's memorial. Yeah. And I only knew you. I met him once. I didn't really know you. But then I'd never met any of your other family. But that was... Something about that later on was like, that's kind of special, and I didn't even know. Yeah, that is so crazy, <laughs> actually, because we um, we had been introduced, but, I mean, that's it, you know. Yeah, no, there was nothing before. there. But that, yeah, that you did the, the food for <laughs> all the crazy. family, and, it's like, crazy. after the service. Yeah, that was crazy. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. All right, guys, well, these two 
straight out of prison podcast. We're very emotional. Hopefully, rough. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll try to get a little more upbeat yes. on, on the next one, but. There's a few more bumps in the road coming for me anyways. Well, I want to say, too, that a quote that my dad was obsessed with, that he actually had it on his tagline for his email mm-hmm. when he went to heaven. At the time, they went to heaven, but for the months prior, he was obsessed with it. Yeah. I feel like, I did I say this last week? You said it on There in the Gap. Okay. Or, or the For Real It wasn't on this okay. platform. But, and I just love it, and I feel like we all need to, and it doesn't take away from the grieving or all that. Mm-hmm. I know that firsthand, Yeah, but it's by Dr. Seuss. And it, and the quote is don't cry because it's over smile because it happened. Wow. It's a beautiful note yeah. to leave us on. So, and that's a good recipe for life. <laughs> it is. So, well, all right guys, we thank you for your support. Thank you for continuing to listen to our story and we will see you next week. Bye. See you soon. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you like what you've heard, you can subscribe to all of our podcasts. Download the Patreon app. You can get all of our content early and ad-free. Straight out of prison, the for real real, and narrowing the gap. There's a specialized feed there for all subscribers. You'll get downloads, updates, exclusive contents, live Q&As, and more. Or head over to teamjones.co slash podcast and click on the Become a Patron button. And I'll also put that in the show notes. Other ways you can support us is to like and share, leave a rating and review, and support our sponsors. They help us provide this platform for free. Listen on Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. And thank you again for being a part of our story. Oh, I love that. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. It's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to, obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal. 
especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at hollandhcs.com. You can look up Holland Home and Commercial Services on Instagram for daily tips and more. Or you can check out their website, hollandhcs.com. We have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast, Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. 